We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant a church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. sing with you. Um, Paul, thank you for just recognizing the moment in time where families are sending off their kids. Uh, it was a great summer. Um, and I, I just want to um, also take uh, a separate time before we begin to find the word and pray for the teachers and administrators as well. That's all right. Uh, there's a lot uh, on your plates. I'm sure that um, your wheels are turning. And we need prayer as well. So, uh, students, if you're in here, uh, just listen. This is a great, um, this is a great model to you uh, to be praying for your teachers as mom and dad drop you off at school or as you take the bus or whatever. That um, if you can be praying for your teachers, if they're believers, that they would be lights in the classroom. That they would teach filled with the Holy Spirit. That, uh, that they would be controlled and surrendered. And that if your teachers are not believers, we pray for them. Their eyes will be open. So, uh, this is a prayer that um, is from a book called Every Moment Fully. Have you heard of it? Great book. Great book. Um, it seeks to uh, not, not separate the sacred from the secular. And so there are all these liturgies of prayer um, throughout this book um, that help you um, walk with God. And so this is a specific prayer written uh, for teachers. And so if you would bow your heads, and I will pray by reading this prayer. It's especially a prayer of presence for you. A prayer for teachers. O oh Lord, you who have called and equipped the teachers and administrators in our community, we pray for them today. Watch over them, provide for them, guide them, Sustain them. May you be their son and shield so that they might do the work that you have entrusted to them and sense your care in these uncertain times. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
we'll be praying for you, teachers, and administrators, and of course, students. Well, let's begin our time in the Word. Um, as you know, uh, the NFL preseason has kicked off, and uh, that's, a, that's a big moment uh, here. Remember during COVID, guys, how much we missed football? Whoa, that wasn't If you're a Bengals fan, I'm sure you're wondering, like, how is a Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bills in a handle of coming off the last season? So good, you know. Following their Super Bowl run, um, if uh, if you know anything about me, I myself am a follower of America's team. <laughs> so if you're visiting here, that's an important thing to understand. Uh, growing up, I I love training camp time. Uh, there's a unique tradition in Green Bay where uh, Lambeau Field, the mecca of sports, you know, in general. Uh, it's like shrunken. Anyway. So, one of the fields is about 500 yards away from the actual practice field. And so, um, training team um, for the whole community looks like this all the kids with all their bikes, their mountain bikes, and things like that, that come to, to Lambo Field to pick up the Packer players and allow the Packer players to uh, ride their bikes on down. And during that time, there's autographs and things like that. But it's really cool because a Packer player will commit to a, a certain kid all through his growing up years. And so they build a relationship. And, you know, the kid's like two, three years old bringing the Hot Wheels. And, you know, you see Packer players just walking with the Hot Wheels. And then, like, four, five, six, they're kind of like just walking the bike. By the time they're in high school, they're rocking the mountain bike with them. And it's just like years of. Friendship with the community, pretty, pretty cool. But if you are, um, if you're a professional athlete, if you're a professional football player, um, training camp is for everyone. Unless you're like holding out for like more money, which happens too much, right? But like, whether you're a ten-year pro bowler or whether you're a rookie, everyone comes to training camp, and they're supposed to work on Right? So if you're if you made it to the Pro Bowl last year, still you're called to the training camp to work on the mechanics of football, <laughs> the throwing, how to catch a ball, how to block, how to tackle. These are the fundamentals of football, and ain't nobody winning if you're missing tackles. If you can't catch a football, you're not gonna go very far in this game. Training Friends. The next three weeks is our training. We are entering into our foundation series where we are, whether you've been in the faith for 20 or 30 or 40 years, or whether you're a brand new believer, we're going to return to the fundamentals for three weeks. We call our foundation series to review a vision of our church and what it's like to be a Christian. To walk with God, how do I do that? And um, it is it's been a blessing for me to prepare and to, to um, dive deeply. And I pray that uh, uh, as a result, you guys will be encouraged and built up in your faith. Um, we as a church summarize the Christian life, um, the Great Commission, and the Great Commandment um, with three arrows: an up arrow, 
in the arrow and out arrow. Um, reaching up towards God, walking with God, glorifying Him, in um, pursuing each other, learning how to grow in Christ together, and out, um, learning how to reach out to those who are, uh, who are lost, who don't know the Lord. Um, and really, these arrows are a good, simple way um, to, to prick questions um, for yourself, for evaluation, but also to use with each other in discipleship relationships. So, for example, just a, a couple quick questions, the up arrow is generally just saying, hey, how are you doing in your relationship with the Lord? Uh, in, hey, are you growing with others in your relationship with Christ? And then out, are you reaching out towards the lost in the book of the gospel? And we will spend three weeks, today is up, uh, next week is in, and the week following is out, and um, we'll allow those questions to help us grow. So today is the up arrow, up arrow. So um, uh, in the Westminster Catechism, um, it asks this question uh, right off the bat, it says, what is the chief end of man, the chief end of man's purpose, the highest call, the reason you're created. And then the answer is this to glorify God and by enjoying Him forever. So the reason you're created is to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. And um, the, the more years that I walk with the Lord, brothers and sisters, and the people that I see glorifying God the most, that I see enjoying Him have especially two common characteristics, two common disciplines and paths that they follow. And you know what they are? These people who glorify God and enjoy Him spend time in the Word and they spend time in the They're familiar. They love God's Word. They seek it and crave it. Notice this, even the repetition of time. I am in God's word. I am in prayer. Um, I, I think that that phrase, those words, are especially um, important on August 14th, as many of us start school this week. Schedules start, even in the Newman family. Uh, we've got volleyball practice. Uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, we've got soccer practice, Mondays and Wednesdays, we've got games Saturdays. You know, we are looking at our calendar going, where will the time go? And, and so we've got to answer the question, Lord, I'm going to know you this fall. I'm pressed to know you more. And how will I spend time with you? And I love the series The Chosen. Anybody? Last, there's a great line in there where Philip uh, comes to Jesus and he goes, hey, Jesus, um, can we, uh, as we're like walking, can we stop by and see one of my friends? Is there time to see this friend? I don't want to go if there's not any time. And Jesus responds, Philip, you don't take time. You don't have any time. And so this sermon, this this. Sunday is especially devoted to our time, our affections towards the Lord, 
And um, it's sad that time is often uh, viewed as like this monster that is like coming to get us, to devour us, and eat us up, and like and spit us out. And uh, yeah, who in this room is a little bit anxious about their time? I would imagine 100%. Parents, how many of you are anxious a little bit about the time that is A good brother shared with me a verse this week. This is from Ephesians. It says, Look carefully at how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time, because the days are evil. And so, what we're saying is one of the greatest uses of your time is time in the Word and time in prayer. And to tell you the truth, this week I was probably the most confident about this sermon on the first day I ever had. Um, and those were going to be the first two points. The, the, the two points. Time in the Word and time in prayer. And the more that I studied and prayed about time in prayer, I felt like, Lord, I think you just want me to land in prayer. And so this Sunday, in the Word, is on prayer. Um, and so the title, if you're taking notes, is called Time and Prayer. Not too creative, I'm trying to be creative. And so, uh, so let's let's do this. You don't have to raise your hands, but if I were to say, by a show of hands, who feels like they're crushing it in their prayer life? And who has no need for any more encouragement than how to pray or to grow in prayer? Like they just feel like, yeah, I got that in the bag in terms of basketball analogy. Never met as a slam dunk at doing fine. Move on. Anyone feel that way? Right. I don't think that we're all in the same boat. We all want to learn to pray more. How to grow in prayer. How to become closer in our prayers. So a little story that will really frame uh, this whole message, okay? So one day, there was a man named Peter. Uh, Peter was a barber. Uh, kids, that's an old-fashioned term for like a fashionista, or like a hairstylist, okay? Um, so um, Peter was in charge of shaving men and uh, cutting their hair. And Peter was growing old in his relationship. Particularly, he, he wanted to learn how to pray. So what does a man do, right? Like, it's, it's a vulnerable thing to ask someone for help about how to pray. Because prayer is intimate, isn't it? And so Peter uh, did what he knew, knew what to do. Um, and that uh, his pastor one day uh, walked into his barber shop and asked him for a shave and a haircut. And while he was shaving and cutting this guy's hair, his pastor, and he said, Pastor, would you teach me how to pray more? I want to learn how to pray. I hear you praying. I see others pray. It seems like they're connecting to the Lord. I don't I need to learn more. And the pastor responded and said, You know what? I get asked a lot of questions of theology deep, long, thick books. Um, and I've got a lot of seminary students around me. Rarely, people ask, how do I grow in Christ better? The pastor's name? Martin 
Martin Luther. Martin Luther, you got it. <laughs> and so, um, Martin Luther responded while he was getting a haircut, and he said, you know, Peter, interesting. Let me go, let me go back to my study and really think about it. And let me give you a thoughtful answer. I'd like to write a few of my thoughts down for you. Martin Luther wrote over 50 books or so. Uh, the shortest book that he wrote was for the Bible called Praise uh, and He encouraged his barber in three particular areas. And um, after after gleanings, uh, this is how this is how I've tried to arrange uh, his encouragement to his um, to his barber from me to the church. And so um, Martin Luther encouraged his barber to pray scripture. So point number one is scripture. Martin Luther's counsel to his barber in particular was hey, go to the scriptures. If you're feeling cold, if you want to learn how to pray, read the scriptures. In particularly, uh, in particular, he gave me three areas. First, he said, I encourage you to and so we have it up here for us. Uh, this one is from the book of Matthew, chapter 6. I'd actually like to read it together as a church. And so let me read the first phrase and then hop on. Just pray like this. Ready? Here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Okay, so if you were asked, like, hey, how should I pray? Would you encourage me to pray? Would your first counsel be to that person, hey, why don't you pray the Lord's Prayer? And some of us, like, might react a little bit to that, like, oh, Man, that, that's kind of old-fashioned. That's kind of rigid. Isn't there a cooler way to connect with the Lord through prayer other than the Lord's Prayer? Like, isn't there some cool acronym that I don't know about? Maybe there's some secret sauce to praying that I could grow. But not the Lord's Prayer. It seems so rote and boring. Everyone just, like, says it and moves on. The Lord's Prayer comes right on the heels of the disciples asking Jesus to teach them one Right? They could ask them anything. Lord, teach me how to ascend right into the heavens. Or, Lord, teach me how to heal. That's cool. Or, Lord, teach me how to teach. I want to be a teacher. Lord, teach me how to lead. I want, I want to lead like you. No, they said, Lord, teach us. Luther's counsel to the barber was this. Prayers should not be long and empty babbling. Rather, they should be structured around the Lord's Prayer. For those of you who just kick against the goads of structure, the Lord's Prayer is a wonderful way to grow closer to the Lord in your prayer life. Luther was not saying, ah, just recite it and you'll be fine. 
Right? Oh, you want to go? You want a framework? Just, just say it and then like move along. Go on your way. Rather, if you memorize the Lord's Prayer and, and, and say it a phrase at a time and allow the words to be meaningful, to dwell on the words, and to pray beyond them, the Lord will be so pleased, glorified, and you'll be led into deeper communion with Him. The Lord's Prayer is not rigid. He also told them, not just Lord's Prayer, but he also said, you know what, Barbara Peter? Pray through the Ten Commandments. Meditate on the Ten Commandments and pray through them. Again, if I was like cutting his hair and then like listening to this counsel, I'd be like, what? The Ten Commandments, like those stone tablets that are like boring and, and like, that's so Old Testament. Isn't there something a little more awesome than the Ten Commandments? Like, what would those do? What's the benefit? Seems kind of weird. This week, in preparation, um, I, I took my own medicine, and I, I prayed through the Ten Commandments. I like to journal, it helps my mind not to wander. And so I wrote out each of the Ten Commandments, and I realized my dependence and need for Jesus. Each and every one of them on a daily basis. Here's what I wrote. This was to the second one to not worship false idols. Lord, I need many for Jesus. To not worship other things is so good. Lord, forgive me for being so prone to wander and to chase after other things with my time and my life. Grow me in this area, Lord. May Christ, who is at work in me, be greater in my love for everything. That's like just straight out of this new world. I need Jesus, or else I'll be in the So he told him, Hey, pray the Lord's Prayer. Hey, pray the Ten Commandments. And then he also said, Pray the Apostles' Creed. And I know that we said it's a scriptural. First off, this is not from Scripture, uh, but this is a great uh, summation of Scripture. This is uh, early church um, developing um, and taking a 10,000 foot view on what are the essentials to believe in. Um, I would like to also read this one together. Creeds are almost non existent in churches today. Why? I don't know. I think the church says we move beyond that or something. And so let's read the Apostles' Creed together. And then we'll just make one short comment. Here we go. It says, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven. And is seated at the right hand of God Almighty. From there, He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. 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 Amen
Amen. You can just see that asterisk there. That's included because us Protestants get a little bit jittery when we say, What? I didn't believe in the Catholic Church? It's just like a lowercase c. It says that is the true Christian church of all times and all places. It's a reference to universal church, we say. That there's more people that believe in Jesus that are inside these four walls. There's other churches that are believers that are faithfully pursuing Jesus. And the church has existed before us, and will go on beyond us. And so we believe in the Holy Catholic Church. As I was praying through this this week, I was gripped like, I, Lord, believe. Help me in my unbelief. But I believe that you're seated at the right hand of God. And so, Lord, I feel distant from you. Thank you for actually. Praying for me and interceding for me. Thank you that you're seated, that you're not standing, and you're not standing up and worried about what's happening, but you're in control. And you have knowledge of what has happened, what will happen. And so I'm going to surrender all of my interests There's us praying through the Apostles' Creed and saying, you know what? I forgot that. I believe. A recommended resource that has helped me pray through the scriptures is a man named Kenneth Boa called Face to Face, praying through the scriptures. If you want to grow in Christ and you just need, need some help, this is a wonderful resource. All Bible. All Bible. Uh, so here's number two. The first one is, hey, Barbara, and hey, church, pray scripturally. You want to learn how to grow in prayer? Run to the scriptures. So this next one is, pray confessionally. Um, parentheses, learn how to confess your sin and become right in your prayers. Luther's counsel to Peter was, when you're cold, your heart, when you feel distant from the Lord, um, Run to the church when it's open. When the doors are open, be there. When the church doors are not open, run to the Psalms. Like, run to the scriptures. Go to Romans. Go to Revelation. Like, see how people are praying from the scriptures. Run to church. See how the Bible is read. See how people are praying. Pray with one another. And in that, you will see a great humility when people come before them and they, they're humble before them by confessing their sins. I'm sure everyone in here probably has a favorite psalm. When you go to the book of Psalms, and you spend a good summer reading the psalms of sin, you'll see laments. Guys pouring their hearts out to God in sadness. You'll see guys in deep depression going on down the pit in their emotions. And then in the middle of the song, they'll say, Fuck. And it'll turn. And that song is proclaimed. You'll see songs of praise where they're riding high and just exclaiming and proclaiming from the top of their lungs that Jesus is good. The whole range of emotions is found in the song. 
You want to identify with anything from the scriptures? You want to bring in your emotions? Go to the book of Psalms. But I want to especially highlight the aspect of the process of becoming right unto the Lord by confessing your sin. Um, an aspect that is often neglected in the Christian life. Look at Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. This is a common prayer in my life. Um, I would encourage you to memorize this if you're looking to grow in Christ through confessing your sin. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. What a great prayer. Search me. Try me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there is anything hurtful in me. Or other translations say, see if there's any grievous way and lead me in the way of everlasting. It's a great prayer, guys. And so you come to him and you say, Lord, I know I must be messed up. I know there must be some sin in my life. I can't even think of it right now. But I'm asking, Holy Spirit, would you search me? That's what we sang this morning. Spirit, we welcome you. We're welcoming you to search us and to guide us. If there's anything wayward, grievous, hurtful towards you, if there's any darkness in my heart, I'm asking you, would you reveal that to me? Allow it to surface so that I know and I can confess it unto the Lord. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. That's why it's called the Holy Spirit. He helps you to grow in holiness. He's doing his job. He loves to do his job. Every time I pray this prayer, every time I invite the Spirit to search me, to do the job of convicting me of my sins, guess what? He does it. He does it. What does that look like? That looks like me sitting on a chair or going on a wall or something. I don't think we're right. Open fellowship with you reveal to me my sin. And every time he brings up things of like we got done recently, how treated people said this, I've done this, I've been impatient here, I've thought this thought, right? And he brings it to mind. And I go, oh, it wasn't even that's right. My heart has become so callous that I didn't realize that I was sitting in the area. And when that happens, the people of God, me, you, we have two options. Ready? When the Spirit convicts us, we can either confess our sins, repent, and be made right with God. Favorite verse, you got to hide this one in your heart, 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness is beautiful. You take a spiritual bath now. Lord, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me of my sins? Woo! It's awesome. We have that option. Or we can breathe the Holy Spirit. We can say, embarrassing. I actually like my sins and I want to wipe them. If we confess our sins, it, it's, it, it might be, Lord, please forgive me of my sins. And you know what? You don't even actually want me to keep praying to you anymore. I'm just going to take out my phone and call up 
of Joe or Bob or whatever. Hey, Bob, I'm so sorry. Hey, last week when we were talking, and I rolled my eyes at you, and I want to ask for your forgiveness. I, I, I confess the Lord, not We oftentimes don't do that because we're embarrassed. We don't want to be seen as a sinner. We don't want other people to know that we still need Jesus. We want to be seen as perfect. Like we have it all together. We don't want to let people in and say, hey, I want to ask for forgiveness. I lied to you. Or I gossiped about you. And I was wrong. And I want to Grieving the Spirit is not talked about enough in the church, and so I'm going to talk about it later. When we grieve the Holy Spirit, who is God, God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, when we grieve the Spirit, His grief is not like our grief that we experience. When we sin against God, it doesn't send the Holy Spirit into this emotional and downwards spiral of depression. She doesn't grieve he's not in bed for three days going, oh, I can't believe Bob did this again. I'm so like just beat down with grief. That, that's not our Lord. That's not his nature. He's not paralyzed by grief. His grief is holy. His grief is undefiled by sin. But ultimately, his grief, it's, it's, it's a mystery. Let me read what John Calvin wrote about his grief. No language can adequately express this solemn truth. Meaning, we can't, we can't quite describe the, the grief of the Holy Spirit that he experiences. But I would say, in more common language, that when we see God, who so longs to have open and close fellowship with us, is so hurt and saddened by our choices to sin. When we choose to place our love and affections in other things rather than in the ground, He's proved and is cold in His heart. You see how our language is insufficient? Notice his grief doesn't put him in a stagnant position, but because his mercy is great, his mercy is more, his grief always propels him towards his children so that he will change and be drawn near to the Father. That's his MO, his movement is always towards us. He doesn't play the junior high games. You heard me? That's not his grief. So, a common question in the church of God that embraces the gospel, or you could say it kind of cool, it has a gospel culture. A church that has a gospel culture will ask each other this question. Are you ready? Hey. How are you doing confessing your sins? 
And that question shouldn't be heavy-handed, whether it comes from the pastor or the elders or anyone in the church, anyone, to be able to ask ones who covenant together in covenant membership, hey, I am bearing your burden, and you mine. I've committed to pray for you and you me. How are you doing confessing your sins? That should be received like this. Oh, I've been wearing these shackles, and what? You have the key. All right, I'll take the key. I don't want to be shackled anymore. I want to be free. Thank you for asking me. I'm not doing okay. I need to grow in that area. Thank you for reminding me. How do you do it? Let's continue. Thank you, Lord. For a church that's not afraid to ask the gospel questions. Church, let's ask each other this week. Let's grow in this area. Re book recommendation. Streams of mercy. Prayers of confession. And guess what? Celebration. A person who confesses their sins doesn't walk around and fix the whole thing. Oh, I'm confessing my sin. I'm just confessing. Oh, get it again. No, it's prayers of confession and celebration. And in a short few moments, we're going to take communion. Communion is not a time like this. Oh no! What have I done the last 24 hours? Oh no, they're already passing the elements. Ah, oh, the laundry list is long of my sins. Ah, I should just go to the bathroom. <laughs> and you never felt that way? Right. Right. And all of a sudden, communion is this dreary time. Actually, it's communion. Celebrate the Lord Jesus has done. We take it away. We rejoice. Even now, let these words start softening your heart to take the bread and cup in celebration. Last point, number three practical. So we got scriptural. Hey, you want to grow in prayer? Run to the scriptures. You want to grow in prayer? Confess your sins. And lastly, Martin Luther, who's a barber. And this is not this is not some seminary thing or like some like Greek paper where people are correcting his grammar. This is a dude who's working hard. And he just wants to know how to pray. And so Martin Luther says, I'm just gonna give him some stuff like on how I've I've grown in prayer, and it's not like just such a word, but here's some practical. So this is our application as well. You know, all prayer is applicational. We wouldn't say that confession is not an application of the sermon. Like, that's so real and genuine. But here's some, here's some things. So Luther says to his barber, make it, it meaning prayer, make it the first business of your day and the last thing you do. Think right, we've said in this church before, um, hey, if you want to grow in prayer, try rolling out of bed your knees first. Right? Think of the first business in the day. Or if you're growing prayer, um, set your alarm to a worship song. So the first words you hear are words of the Lord rather than wah, 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 wah. And growing prayer. There's a lot of ways to trigger your heart towards prayer. 
My favorite Martin Luther quote is this. Sometimes it's like, I want to go, I don't even know where to start. You know what Luther is saying? He says, the more I pray, the more I pray. Pretty simple, huh? I can't even pray for five minutes. You know what? Luther is saying, why don't you pray for two? And I catch you in a week. You'll be praying for food. And then four. And then the goal is not But the goal is intimacy. The more I pray, the more I pray. I found that true in my life. I don't even know what to pray about. And I start praying, oh my word, here's so much to pray about. Lord, what have I been doing? Forgive me. For, it must be that I've been trusting in my own self, in my own ideas. I haven't even been praying. This prayer is a sign of dependence upon the Lord. Lack of prayer. So there's a lot of ways to trigger prayer. My brother, he sets alarms. I journal. My wife and I, we walk and pray. We, we, yeah, that works for us. And rather than sitting and holding me under, just walk. Okay. Friends, the basic message is this. If you want to know God and the power of Son Jesus' resurrection, the fellowship of the Son, His fellowship, you share in His sufferings, you see life in His Come to him and pray. Use the scriptures. Confess your sins. Do what you need to do to pray. And then at the end of the day, 